to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Welcome back to another episode of Talk FX. I hope everyone has been having a great week uh, today. As we pre-record this episode, um, it is Advocacy Day 2021. For those who may not know what that is, um, the National Fragile X Foundation holds an Advocacy Day every year in February, giving um, Fragile X families an opportunity to meet with their members of Congress uh, to create more awareness, advocacy, and support for Fragile X. Um, This year, with uh, the times being how they are, um, Advocacy Day was held virtually. Um, But of course, that doesn't stop the Fragile X advocates from participating. Um, So the National Fragile X Foundation definitely went above and beyond and provided uh, virtual meetings for families and their members of Congress to be able to talk with them, um, even if not in person. Um, So I really hope that those who participated were able to just leave feeling uh, encouraged and motivated to just keep on advocating for Fragile X and, and know that your members of Congress do care about um, Fragile X and how it impacts families' lives. So with that said, um, let's get rolling with this week's episode. Um, as you guys may have seen, our uh, we launched an Instagram giveaway last week, and um, I shared that the winner gets to have an opportunity to be a guest on our podcast, as well as uh, receive some awesome Fragile X awareness swag, which um will be coming her way shortly. Um, I am so excited to introduce Brandy. She is a mom to two young boys with Fragile X Syndrome. Um, And we're really excited to have you on. So thank you so much for your time and just your willingness to uh, come on TalkFX today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, You can follow her. Her uh, Instagram name is uh, Mom Deadlifts, which I love because it reminds me I need to work out more. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also how much I don't like deadlifts. <laughs> but uh, also she shared with me her hashtag um, that she does, Duncan and Simon's Excellent Adventure. If that's not some uh, hashtags to live up to, I don't know what is. Um, that's really cute. Um, so thank you for being on. Um, I definitely would love to start out by, um, you just sharing a little bit about yourself and your, and your family. Yeah. So, um, I am 29, um, married to the same guy since we were 21. We have, um, two boys they are six and three now, um, we live in a really small town and I know we're never going to leave. It's just a lot of security for our two kiddos, especially the way they are. Um, our younger one is super mischievous. He's (laughs) the great escape Houdini and we have 
bolts at the tops of all of our doors and cameras everywhere. But thankfully, <laughs> we have very close, awesome neighbors who are always looking out for us, too. Um, mm-hmm. So we love where we're at. And we have a lot of good supports around us and a huge family. Our kids have uh, 15 or more cousins in their school with them. So oh my we're well goodness. loved. Wow. <laughs> that is a big family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So your sons are, are Duncan and Simon, right? Yep. Okay, so tell uh, me a little bit about what their interests are besides being the amazing escape artists. (laughs) Duncan and Simon are, although they do both have fragile X, they're kind of like polar opposites. Mm -hmm. Um, They have all of the same general boy interests, like they like cars and going fast and doing stuff with dad. But Duncan's just very relaxed and he prefers to just chill out and zone out on cartoons and Simon has to know how things work and take them apart and (laughs) destroy everything he's always touching stuff and Duncan you can kind of tell like even though they have fragile X and they don't communicate a lot he gets so annoyed with his little brother and he'll kind of like pull him away from stuff like I don't want to get in doing this you're gonna call my (laughs) and it's really even though they have like this disability they're still like tried and true brothers they're gonna have a lot of arguments down the road I think (laughs) oh brothers you know I have an older sister and and um there were lots of arguments in our in our childhood so (laughs) yeah um so at what age were they diagnosed with fragile x so we we had Duncan and I knew that I wanted to have all of our kids close together And we started trying for our second when he was two Um, and it was taking a while and we kind of just brushed it off and we were going through a couple of rounds of like autism testing. Like he, Duncan was a little delayed, but he was still really young. So a lot of people thought like, oh, it's just, he's got a speech delay. He'll grow out of it. And we actually got Duncan's fragile X diagnosis, um, two days before we found out that Simon was a boy. Oh, oh, we were already pregnant and um, the fragile X test actually does take like quite a while to come back. So I, of course, had already like gotten online and looked up everything that it was and everything the test meant. So I already knew when we got his diagnosis on Friday night that week that if the baby we were having was a boy, he had a 50, 50 chance of then having fragile X. So we knew um, to just get that test immediately when he was born. And we did. Right. Yeah. Um, Had you heard about fragile X prior to uh, Duncan's diagnosis? Not at all. And it was kind of a big, I, I felt like I really knew that he, that's what the issue was before we went into the text, the actual testing um, cause if you look up like on Google, like the fragile X syndrome test, the, I think it's, I think it's WebMD, like their general information comes up with the symptoms and like the prognosis of it, how rare it is. And there's a little <laughs> cartoon sketch of a little boy 
and it'll show like the physical ear markers of the longer forehead and the bigger ears and the way this cartoon's like little hair was even wispy at that age I'm like that's a picture of my kid <laughs> like yeah this is definitely I'm like I I mean I was still hoping that they would say that he was gonna be fine but whenever I pulled it up I looked at my husband and was like um this is Duncan so mm-hmm. wow so um what what is their sort of um, support uh, as far as right now? Because I don't know what it's like um, where where you are or where you live. Um, do they, you know, have have speech therapy or uh, OT or any of those things um, yeah. at your guys' disposal? Yeah, so they get all of their services through school now that Simon is three. He's out of the early intervention program that the state provides, and he's in early childhood at school. Okay. Um, so they get OT and speech and um, physical therapy through school. Duncan actually just was released from physical therapy because he got so much better at stairs. Thank goodness. Clumsy oh, boy. great. Well, I'm clumsy but, with stairs, so. <laughs> right. Um, one of the speech therapists that Duncan will actually go to is um, one of our family best friends. She has the older kids in our district and he sees her all the time and he calls her his aunt Mimi. So whenever he's kind of freaking out at school, he gets to go down to her office and chill out. Oh, that's so great. I love it when, you know, our fragile X kids have someone that they know and love and feel comfortable with that, you know, they can have those opportunities. It's just so great to have those resources. Um, but that's really cool because, you know, um, there's a lot of fragile X families out there that struggle to find those supports depending on where they live. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I, I always, um, like to ask, you know, families for their perspectives on that and just, um, how, you know, it's, how it's helped, um, their, their child grow, you know, with their, um, life skills and everything. But, um, what do you feel, you know, as a, um, uh, mom of, of two fragile X boys, what are some, um, important ways that you feel that, we should be actively advocating for Fragile X. So one of the things I talk about the most in like our school district in our area, because um, I'm involved with some of the Fragile X um, going on and advocacy and fundraising in St. Louis. Um, I'm on the resource center board up there, but that's about an hour away from us. And I've not met or heard of any other families in our area who have a fragile X diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's most, it's less about knowing specifically about the genetics of their diagnosis and more about being willing to learn about it and help. So our local daycare, um, actually, whenever we got our diagnosis at first, they went and did independent research to find out how to best support the kids. And that's so great. I just, I can't talk enough about how much I love raising my kids in a small town that I grew up in because I see the daycare director at the gym in the morning. I see the teachers whenever I go to work in the afternoon. I live down the street from the principal and everybody's always been very open to learning more about them. Of course, we have a lot of people in our community who are like, 
you know, a little bit older and back in their day, you didn't kind of, you didn't have that kind of thing in your classroom, but, um, everybody's always pretty willing to stick up for the kids. And I think that just the biggest thing is teaching everybody around you that everybody has different abilities and different needs. And that doesn't make them different. It doesn't make them worse or better. It just means they just understand it different. Right. Absolutely. And what you're talking about is something that is rare um, for, you know, families that that live in um, other parts of, you know, the U.S., other states. I've chatted with families who, you know, they've tried to get support from their schools and, you know, the schools were um, unwilling to do their research on Fragile X and to uh, understand it better and to um, be able to um, best support their child. And it's um, hard to see that happen. Um, you know, even even medical professionals that, you know, feel that they know enough about Fragile X to help you, but you know, um, it it can go in so many different directions, but, um, it's so great when those people are willing to really do the research and, and understand what Fragile X is, how, and how, um, each child with Fragile X has, has different needs, um, and different ways of learning and, um, having, needing to cater to that, um, and wanting to do that because you believe in their success and you believe in, you know, wanting to help them, um, grow and move and move forward. Um, so that's, that's so great to just hear. And, and I know it's going to be an encouragement for other families, um, to hear as well. Cause I, I even, my aunt is, is currently, uh, fighting for that, uh, type of support in her mm-hmm. son school district she's been fighting it for years and um it's been a very hard battle for her um but she's finally found just a better school district that's willing to do you know what your daycare is that you were talking about is doing which is really learning and understanding fragile x for what it is and um how to support my cousin um based on you know his uh particular needs so um how uh, do you navigate having two children with Fragile X? Um, because we've had families on our podcast before that have, you know, one uh, child with Fragile X and then, uh, and then an- another sibling that does not, is not affected by Fragile X. So it would be cool to hear just kind of your, um, what, what you do as a mom of two. It's um it's pretty much a 24/7 circus in our house. <laughs> um and I I like all of our cousins are I mean some have like a, two or three cousins have ADHD or something similar but nobody else really has that kind of significant diagnosis of any sort around us. And they ask these kinds of questions like how do you deal with this or them not knowing this or what do you do when they can't pick up their own plate? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know any different. Like there's, they're the only kinds of kids I've ever raised. So for mm-hmm. me, it's just the way they were, if they learned the next thing, then cool. And if they didn't, then we're still working on it, but it's um, just a giant circus all of the time. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey, that can make for some really entertaining days, though. <laughs> I've and we've had some interesting ones, especially yeah. with a three-year-old and. He's, we just had two straight weeks of snow days um, with the blizzard that came through the U.S. And he flooded the bathroom four times in two weeks. Oh, my. <laughs> yep, he's a fun little one to oh, have around. What a busy boy. Yes. <laughs> um, so how are they, you know, are, are they doing potty training currently or um, any of those things right now and and how are those going so we started Duncan before he had the fragile x diagnosis um and I feel like starting so early I mean I don't feel like it even helped him at all because it's it's gonna be a long road I know to get both of them potty trained and I know I really put off Simon until very recently because I potty training too at the same time is not what I wanted to do oh yeah <laughs> but um our our six-year-old can he knows to go pee on the potty we have um just learned that since he's a boy he can pee without sitting on the potty and we had a couple months where we had to learn you actually have to go either outside or into the bathroom not wherever you feel like it yeah <laughs> and so he's getting better I think that and I, we haven't seen their neurologist since COVID started. So um, it's something that I've wanted to ask other moms and our neurologist since she has other fragile X kids. But I wonder if I've heard so many moms have issues with potty training for poop and that their kids have so many bowel issues. And I wonder mm-hmm. if it has to do with some of the hypotonia that we see in so many fragile X kids, if their muscles and their tone is so loose and their bowel has to be loose too right yeah that's a great point um I I also think that uh that step of potty training can be difficult um I when you first mentioned it I immediately thought of of my cousin Nathan um he he's not the greatest at, at wiping himself so um he still needs assistance with that yeah um but he does know to like go poop on the potty um he does have to just be asked like throughout the day hey do you need to go potty hey do you need to go poop yeah um just to kind of remind him because if he's like watching a show he really likes or just doing something that he really likes to do then he would rather you know go in his pants than uh yeah why uh, move I mean like he's having the time of his life (laughs) exactly So he does still need assistance with going number two um, because he can't fully, like, wipe himself. Yeah. Like, the the connection of I need to still wipe until it's gone thing um, has has not quite uh, perfected yet. But right. he's he just going through, really I, did, I did my one, two, three, four steps, and that's it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, but I love your, your perspective of like, well, um, maybe it's, it's what you're saying about like their, their finkster muscles and, yeah. and how yeah. that relates to their hyper. Cause my, my, uh, cousin gets hyper aroused pretty, pretty, um, often. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he has his own ways of, of, um, 
uh, calming those things. But um, those those are actually other reasons why he has to be reminded, like, hey, do you need to go to the bathroom? Like, if he's currently has a lot of anxiety or something, you know, yeah, it's a good yeah. it's a good time to ask him if he needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, potty training is a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna be a long journey. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, with with two boys, it could be interesting because um, they could learn from each other, you know, they could mimic each other, who knows how how it could go. Obviously, I don't know your boys as well as as well as you do. But Mm -hmm. I know that um, uh, individuals with fragile X, they they do tend to, you know, mimic other behaviors. Yeah. And so that could always maybe be in their favor um, with potty training. <laughs> you know, I hope because they ter- they teach each other all kinds of crazy stuff about like <laughs> how to climb up the shelving or how to give mom oh. a heart attack that actually takes her down. But oh, well, great. I know. <laughs> Love them. They really they really sound like a hoot. <laughs> It's time. I love that. Um, so we actually, we did a uh, episode on potty training and it was really interesting to hear, you know, the different perspectives and I praise the moms that start potty training early mm-hmm. and there are a few that, you know, it works. They potty train, you know, at a relatively quick pace. And there's other uh, families that they've been struggling with it for a couple years. But, you know, they get one step further after, you know, maybe a few weeks or a few days. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a win, um, a big win. So um, moving on from potty training. <laughs> Um, so you're, you said your boys are in doing in-person schooling right now, right? Yes. Um, were they doing virtual learning for a time or how was that working for you? We were in the spring and it was so painful. Um, Simon was still in early intervention. So we were doing his four therapies a week with my laptop and he would just crawl up on the table and smack it closed. Um, and Duncan, Mm -hmm. It, we really had a hard time with him wanting to do any school-related work at home because he never had before. He was in kindergarten still. There, nobody had sent homework yet at his grade level. And so he, he was taking this compartment of his life that we do schoolwork at school and home stuff at home. And then all of a sudden it was all at home and he didn't do anything for months. He would cry and smack the table and it was it was a big struggle in the spring yeah I can't imagine I know it it's just hard for you know uh individuals with fragile x to just go from their normal you know going to school routine and everything that that entails and then next they're just you know at home having to do school and it's a routine change yeah we're supposed to Um, relax at home not Right, not do school, you know. They they don't necessarily connect home with with work. Yeah. You know. And so, um, I'm sure that that's a hard transition for a lot of families, you know. I know that there's still families, you know, uh where I live in Washington that um are still doing distance learning and and it's a struggle. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but we don't have crazy snow like it sounds like you guys did. We had <laughs> we had some pretty intense snow days, and right, um, right before our two weeks of snow days, almost, um, we actually were in quarantine because we do have in person school, so we have some pretty strict, um, like symptom related isolation kind of rules and. Duncan showed a symptom that's related to COVID. So we had to stay home for 10 days to see if anything developed. And so then he was at home for three weeks and did not want to go back to school this week. He threw a fit. Mm. He didn't want to put his mask on. He didn't want to get his backpack. He wasn't going to do it, but. Right. Took him in anyway. How, how have you uh, tackled, you know, cause I know that a lot of families kind of struggle with getting their child to wear a mask. But um, how have you been able to do that with Duncan? Well, so Simon will not. He has to wear one to go into school, but he just he puts a chewy in his mouth and it sticks out quite a bit. And he wears a mask underneath it and he doesn't doesn't mess with it otherwise. Um, Duncan is doing great. And I think it's because of all the good modeling he sees in school. Um, He's in a special needs room, but he also has half of his day in a regular first grade room um with a Mm one-to-one aide and his cousin (laughs) that um is his age is actually at his table and one of our old neighbors is at his table and he sees all of them wearing their masks and everybody all the other kids are and I think that that good modeling he just he tends to just do whatever the other kids around him are doing yeah because that so how how has um him being able to have time in a general ed class, how has that uh, affected his um, just life skills and growth overall? I love it for all parties involved. Um, He spends most of his time in the general ed classroom during um, their English lessons. He's, He's pretty far behind with math concepts, but he is on point with all of his sight words. He could, he knew his sight words last year better than most of the other kindergartners. Cause he just had that memorization like thing down, mm-hmm. but oh, his, yeah. um, his coordinator and his aide have both told me like he, he knows when he goes into first grade that he has to calm down. And sometimes if he has to go and have a sensory break, then he can, and mm-hmm. the other kids in his class now are getting very accustomed to having a kid like Duncan around. So if he starts to stim mm-hmm. during a lesson, one of the kids at his table will just pass him something that he they know he needs, like another crayon or something, uh-huh. and just they help him out. Or if he stands up and screams at the top of his lungs, like nobody's face. I'm like, that's just Duncan. That's just how he is. That is so amazing. I love hearing that. Um, I think it can be a struggle for some families getting that general mm-hmm. ed uh, experience for their child, but just that that's so cool seeing the inclusivity and just it, it's a good experience for other kids. Oh, yeah. Too. Um, and I love how you were sharing how they react because it's it's teaching everyone all around you know I've asked some of the kids because I (laughs) I, know I'm gonna say probably half the kids that are in his first grade room just from knowing the parents around town and one of them is his cousin I'm like hey how is how is Duncan when you guys are in class like is he is he good and they're like yeah I'm like does he scream they go you know he's kind of bad but it's not for very long like 
Okay. <laughs> Appreciate your honesty. Those first graders, they'll tell you how it is. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> you gotta love it. <laughs> um, so we had a podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about um just how to regulate um aggressive behavior. Um is that something that you see at all in, in Duncan or Simon? And what are some ways that work well um, for just um, self-regulation because I know that this is a topic that um, I see so many families asking Mm -hmm. about. So I really like to get other uh, people's uh, just experiences with this particular subject. So neither of them have ever been very aggressive. Um, Duncan here recently is starting to really get affected by his big emotions. Um, and it's something that we're starting to look at if he needs like a medication to help like regulate. Cause they do stim, they flap their arms and they they'll echolalia like favorite quotes from movies or TV shows to help themselves calm down. But especially right now, if you mm-hmm. tell Duncan no for something he really wants, he's not about it. He starts to get very mad. Um, but mm-hmm. otherwise, we haven't really seen those kinds of things really from them. Guys. They're very joyful little guys. And it's, but knowing what the future can be like, um, as especially if they get more aggressive into puberty at 12, 13, um, their dad is six foot four and I'm five foot two. So that's actually <laughs> why I deadlift because I, I know I need to be able to hold my own in my own house. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is a tall it is husband. A, I'm, it's going to be little me and three very large guys around here very quickly. Yeah. Oh, it won't just be little you. Oh, my goodness. You seem so proactive, and that's huge. Um, it's hard for moms to get their own time to take care of yeah. themselves, you know? And so yeah. – um, everyone just has to get into their own routine Definitely. <laughs> uh, of what works for them. But, um, well, yeah, that, that's great on, um, you know, we, I think we all think about as, as parents, like, I wonder if my child will get more aggressive as he gets older and kind of hits that, you know, puberty stage and like, how do you prepare for that? Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, I think that, uh, one of the greatest tools is just you're having a community to ask questions to, yeah. you know, because uh, Fragile X families, you know, they go through all these different stages of life that their child is going through. And so um, I don't know if you're a part of the, it, it's a pretty big uh, Fragile X oh, yeah. Facebook uh, page. Yeah. So I have loved that, just being able to get so many questions answered. Um, honestly, it's 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 just helped knowing that other people are going through the same yeah, experiences. It's, it's so heartening like <laughs> to have those kinds of people in your social media feed on Facebook and on Instagram because all the people in that you grew up with, that you're friends with, their kids probably are neurotypical and when they talk about my mm-hmm. kid did this, my kid got this award, they're the best. But when I see some of these other moms and their kids, like those are the kids that really make me so happy. Like to see videos of them getting excited or learning something new. 
it's my favorite part of social media, honestly. Yeah, it's great to have just positivity. (laughs) Because social media can either be a really encouraging, positive uh, resource. I know. (laughs) So, um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, share just regarding your story or, you know, advice and encouragement that you might have for uh, families um, listening? Um, The biggest thing that I would always recommend to people who are especially newly diagnosed um, is to not ignore yourself. Like it's very easy to just get lost in. I'm the parent. I have to take care of this. I need to fix it. But you are not going to be your you're the best parent you can be if you're not taking care of yourself as well. I've been to therapy. I've been on medication, off medication. I've found exercising. I've found old hobbies again, but you have to find some balance in your life because if you're so stressed and you just are trying to make their life the best it can possibly be, the best it can be is having them happy. So just making sure that you have a positive home environment, that you're happy and it'll, it'll help make your kids happy. Absolutely. You know, so I think so many um, parents, they, they focus on, um, you know, their child's future. Like what is, what is their future going to look like? How do I need to prepare for this? You know, what are they going to be independent enough to right. live on their own? All of these questions that, you know, we don't know the answer to when our child is, five, six, seven, eight, nine, even 10 years old. And, um, you know, I, I heard one of the best, uh, advices, um, from another fragile X parent. Um, and she just said, you know, um, I just focus on six months at a time because that six months is going to help them for the next six months and so on and so forth. And that's just all you can do. And, Um, Of course, there are ways you can prepare your child for, uh, you know, their adulthood in advance. But for the most part, just really focusing on their development six months at a time. um, I just I just loved that. And I constantly think about it um, because it brings so much less stress and more more peace, knowing that, you know, not only like what you were saying, which is so good, that we need to take care of ourselves before we can help our kids. Um, but also, you know, we need to focus on only so yes. much at a time. Um, because, you know, there's so many different personalities out there. You know, my personality is I like to know what's going to happen before it's going to happen. I like to plan. I'm organized, all this stuff. But um, in my own life, not, not only just in fragile X ways, but in other ways too, I've had to relinquish that control and just realize I can only yeah. do so much at a time. And I'm, I'm <laughs> always the same way. And I used to stress, especially at the beginning of our diagnosis about like the kids growing up and what if people make fun of them or are they going to live with us? What, what if our house isn't big enough? And I, through going to therapy for so long, I've had to really like take a moment because my, um, my little sister died when she was 19 because of a drunk driver. And I kind of didn't, I didn't relay, rely on that kind of life experience when I was looking at how stressed I was. 
And then uh, about a year ago, last week, I got hit by a truck crossing the road and had a pretty severe concussion and torn ACL. And my therapist, I was actually leaving my therapist's office when I got hit. She was like, you just kept saying, who's going to take care of my kids? And your husband was standing there going, I am. Could you stop? I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like if I, I literally could die tomorrow, I can't be stressed about if they're going to still live with us when they're 20 or planning retirement for four. Like we just have to be happy today. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's such great perspective. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's just so important to take care of ourselves and, before we can take care of other people. It's so hard to, you know, do it the other way around. Um, and um, I am so grateful for your time and for your willingness to just share about your boys. And I'm so excited for everyone to um, hear your experiences and your story. And um, I'm, I'm honestly very encouraged by um, your way of advocacy and just um, how much support you seem to have in your community, um, which is just so important. And I know that other families are going to be encouraged by that too, just to know that um, there's families out there that, that have that tight knit support, um, in a small little yes. community. <laughs> yes. So, um, thank you for being on with us, Brandy. Um, I really appreciate yeah. your time. So as always, you can listen to episodes of talk FX, wherever you listen to podcasts and Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX. We hope you've left this episode feeling encouraged and knowing you're not alone on this journey with Fragile X. It is our mission to provide resources, support, and encouragement to our listeners. Whether you are a mom of Fragile X children, a self-advocate, or a full mutation carrier, this podcast is for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk Fragile X. You can tune in to the latest episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.